So some of you are new, so I'll give you a little background on me. The rest of you know me really well. So my name is Sarah. I graduated in May from UL with a pre-med degree, and I decided to become a teacher. And in two weeks, I start third grade. So y'all are my first class. So if there's anything that's like, wow, that's cringy, I'm just practicing. But I'm teaching about the Bible today. We're not learning math and science. So Jacob had asked me to preach in the series and we were trying to figure out what day like what week I was going to do it and since I start school in two weeks I was like I don't think that's a good idea for me to preach while I'm starting school because I won't have time so he's like okay that's week two then I said what's week two he said miracle worker and I was like no I can't preach on miracle workers like I was like I can't he's like what do you mean I was like that doesn't apply to my life like I don't I can't relate to that I haven't experienced that and he's like, well, just pray about it and see if the Lord gives you something. And he did. When I wasn't praying about it, he gave it to me. And the reason why I was struggling with Miracle Worker was because, you know, I grew up in church and I've heard the word miracle used a lot. You know, you would hear how, you know, they say, like, Jesus still preaches miracles, like he still does miracles today. Or there's altar calls where people go up, they get prayed for, believing for a miracle. Some of you probably didn't grow up in church, and it's still a really common word. It's often watered down and used for everyday things. I know last week I was in Abbeville, and I left the school, and I didn't realize my car was on E, but it was like on E. And I was like, I don't know if I can make it. Like, I was, like, barely breathing. And the car in front of me was going so slow. And I almost, like, honked at them. I was like, no, I can't do that because they don't know my gas is about to run out. And I made it. And I was like, wow, that's a miracle. But that's not the miracle we're talking about tonight. I want to address a very real thing that I have struggled with growing up in church, and you probably have as well. Jesus did miracles in the Bible I've seen other people receive miracles in their life. But this situation in my life needs a miracle. But where is Jesus? So, preface to our story. I'm reading all from the same story tonight. Um, I'm reading John 5, 1 through 5. And um, I'm going to explain the history first. So, there are certain feasts that the Jews would have every few times a year that everyone would go to. Well, in Jerusalem, there was a certain pool that whenever the there would be an angel who touched the water and the water would like ripple and all these people who were sick would like lay out around it. Whoever got in the water first got healed. So this is the context of the story. The version I'm using didn't include that verse, but that's the context. So John 5, 1 reads, Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the pool of Bethesda, with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. So before I start, I want to say it's super, super important for you to learn how to read your Bible. Because I'd almost rather you not read your Bible if you're just going to read it to be like, afterward, Jesus returned, okay, okay, okay. And just to read it, the check mark. Um, I think it's super important um, to learn that, like, when I read this, this whole message is from this. This is strictly from John 5. 
And I didn't like make this up. Like it's all from the context of John 5. And it's like extremely helpful for my life right now. And I know it can be for you. But if I don't teach you how when you leave today, you're only going to get filled when me or Jacob preaches on Wednesday night or you come on Sunday mornings. So as I read and as I teach, I'm going to explain, like, I'm going to point things out. So um, so verse 5, verse 5, chapter 5, verse 1 through 5 does not seem very significant. It's setting up the story. It's like that chapter in your history book that's just like, this is what this chapter is about. And it doesn't seem important. But verse 5, it says there's a man lying there who had been sick for 38 years. It's important to see the 38. I am 21 years old. That means this man couldn't move for my entire lifetime plus 17 more years. So that would be like me and Charlie. Like if I died right now and then Charlie lived like Charlie's whole life. It's almost as old as April is. (laughs) Anyways, I can say that because she's like my big sister. So how does that relate to my life? I need my chair. Okay. So, we're eye level. So this man was paralyzed for 38 years. I don't know anyone paralyzed in my life. I don't feel like I can, I don't have a visual representation of what that looks like. But I do know that I have been stuck in fear. I've been paralyzed by fear. Some of you may have been paralyzed by fear, or depression, or social anxiety, or maybe you're paralyzed to get out of an abusive relationship because then you'd be by yourself. Or maybe you are afraid to leave your room because of your parents, because of what they're going to say to you. Been there, done that. So, 38 years. Maybe it's been a long time. I know... Like, some of you, probably your whole life has been kind of sucky, not going to lie. And maybe you've been stuck in the same situation your entire life. And you don't know, like, that's your normal. Like, you don't know anything better. So just from the first five verses, we can relate to this man who was laying paralyzed, waiting for water to move so he could get healed. Okay, cool. We understand. Cool. Let's see. We're going to continue. Verse 6. When Jesus saw him. Oh, wait, got to stop. Jesus sees you. Imagine how many people, if there was this pool that you get healed in if you got in. Imagine how many people were laying around that pool. And Jesus saw this man. Like how many people go to your school and Jesus sees you. Like how many people... When you're having a panic attack in your car outside Walmart in the parking lot and Jesus sees you, like that's real. It's real. And he knew he had been ill for a long time. He asked him, would you like to get well? I like to ask questions. It's kind of funny because Jacob doesn't like questions. I'm not mean, but like sometimes I just text him, I have a question without asking it. And he'll be like, oh no, what now? And so I really sent him up the other day. It was really funny to me. And I said, I have a question. And he was like, oh, no, what? 
And I was like, it's a really serious question. Like, are you in the right place? Like, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm on the way to a meeting. We can do it after. I was like, okay, okay, okay. We'll do it after. And so we went to Waffle House. And um, it was my first time at Waffle House ever. Yeah. Anyways, so have y'all, I don't know if y'all seen this, but it's like the joke that like, if like the girls are like, will be like, ask all these insecure questions and like, she'll ask her boyfriend, if I was a worm, would you still love me? Like I asked him that and he was like, sir, are you serious? And for the record, he said no. So you'll need to pray for Jacob. Because he said no. He said no. Anyways, Jesus likes to ask questions too. Jesus likes to ask very strategic questions. And another example. Y'all know when you're in school and you zoned out, also been there, done that. And you, have, you don't know what's going on, and so you want to ask a question, but you don't want to sound like you weren't paying attention. So you say, this is a dumb question. And they're like, there's no dumb questions. Like, they always say that. I don't think I'm going to be that kind of teacher. But um, Jesus sounded like he was asking a really dumb question. Like, okay, let's pretend Elijah. Elijah broke his collarbone a few months ago. Let's pretend Elijah goes to the doctor. He's in pain. He's, like, crying. Maybe he took it like a man, but they usually cry. So maybe he's, like, crying and, like, freaking out. And the doctor, like, walks up to him. And it's like, man, Elijah, I see you broke your collarbone. Like, what do you want me to do? And he's like, do you? (laughs) Well, (laughs) and, like, what if you're just like, man, Elijah, like, okay, Charlie. (laughs) So, like, maybe you're just like. You know, I don't know, you want to get lunch? And Elijah's like, what is wrong with you? Like, I need to fix my collarbone. I'm in pain. And so Jesus walked up to someone who hasn't walked in 38 years and says, do you want to get better? And, like, I mean, and then think about it. Like, imagine how many people took advantage of this man. Like, imagine, like, you know, I walked up to Jacob and was like, "Uh, I'll help you get in the water if you give me 20. And then runs. Like, imagine, I mean, the Bible doesn't say that, but, like, people were still people back then. And people still do that today. So this was his reply, verse 7. He said, I can't. I can't, sir, that sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus asked him a yes or no question. And the man replied was, I can't. It didn't matter anymore if the man wanted to get healed or not. He already believed it was impossible. The man had lost his wants. Maybe you have given up on your miracle. Maybe it's like you stopped praying because you're like, God doesn't even hear me, so why am I even praying? Or why am I even a Christian if, like, I'm singing for him and I'm serving him and I play on Sunday once a month and I'm, like, dating the youth pastor, but my life sucks and, like, what do I do? Like, I'm doing all this for God, and what is, like, where, where is he? Why isn't he listening to me? Maybe you, like, just gave up on, like, dating anyone because you got heartbroken so many times. You're like, why do I even love anyone? Like, everyone, like, everyone hates me. Why do I even live? What's the point of being alive? I mean, we can take it that far. The second thing the man said was, I have no one. The man felt alone, 
isolated. He didn't have any friends to help him get in the water. He has been dependent on people his entire life. And when he really needed them, they weren't there. Is that relatable? Maybe they gave up on him. Maybe they were embarrassed to be with him. Maybe people have given up on you. Maybe you're stuck because you're waiting on a person to save you, and they're just not there. The third thing that the man said was, someone else always gets there ahead of me. They got healed at the altar. I didn't. They got a miracle. God, where's mine? Where's my miracle? Do I have some like punishment? Like, Did I do something? Did God forget about me? These are real thoughts and real questions that I have had and I know you have had. Verse 8, Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. What? I haven't walked in 38 years, and you're telling me to walk. Okay. Easy for you to say. I mean, like, you could at least help me get in the water. Like, now you're mocking me. And I just want to, like, backtrack a little bit. Like, rewind. The man said, I can't. That means he has tried and he failed. Imagine how many times we were watching The Chosen the other day, and we were watching that episode, and, like, you see him, like, progressively, every time the water stirs and he tries to get in the water, and every time he tries, he just stopped trying. It got to the point where he just laid there, and everyone went ahead of him. Maybe you have been trying to make your miracle happen yourself. I got to the point recently in my life where I was like, what's wrong with you, God? And I was like, you like, everyone's moving ahead and like all these things. And it's about something that's not even like big. And like every time I try to do something, it fails. Like every plan I make falls through the week before. And I'm just like, what? I'm like, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. And every single time it gets like blocked and I was just, like, so mad. I was like, what even? But I realized the answer to the question we talked at the beginning about how Jesus does all these miracles in the Bible, but, like, where is my miracle? And I realized that that is not how Jesus works. Jesus is the miracle worker, not you. So we're talking about the miracle worker today. It doesn't say Jesus in the title. So who's the miracle worker? It's not you. And it sucks. It sucks because I'm trying to make things happen in my life. I'm trying to make myself happier, make my situation better, and I can't do it. Like, there's nothing I can do. Only Jesus can do it. Only when Jesus gave the command for the man to walk was he able to walk. There is a tension between us trying to make our miracles happen and Jesus, who is the true miracle worker. And then we get mad at him because we're like, like we said in the beginning, like God does miracles in the Bible, not in my life. Well, he's not doing it on your time frame and what you want when you want it. And so it's not that Jesus doesn't do miracles today. It's that he's not doing it the way you want. And that's a disconnect. So how do I move within a situation that I can't change? Like, there's nothing you can do about your parents. I mean, they're your parents. You didn't choose them. My dad used to joke that we picked them out of a book, and, like, he'd thank me for picking them. And But that's not how life really works. I mean, we know this. Um, a lot of times, 
Our miracles happen when we simply do what God asks us to do, even when it doesn't make sense. So in other words, miracles happen when we walk in obedience. Okay, I'm going to sit down again. Do you see any, like, chains or handcuffs keeping me here? Yeah, there's nothing. So, like, what's keeping me, Dakota, from standing up? You're going to be an engineer. What's keeping me from standing up? Yeah, but, like, I could apply force and overcome gravity. What? Yeah, you're going to be an engineer. Just calling out. I'm speaking it over you. Um, so, like, there's nothing that's necessarily keeping me here. I'm keeping myself here. So, I mean, I can't, let's just say, hypothetically, I couldn't leave this room. But I could leave this seat. I could get up. So, the seat represents what you're stuck in. And it's important to grieve. But you have to grieve. Jacob talked about grief a few weeks ago. It's important to have your moment in your situation. It's really unhealthy when you stuff emotions. But there comes a time and a place where God says, move. You need to get up. Like, you need to get up. Like, literally, stand up. Like, everyone stand up. So Jesus said, stand up. How do you stand up? I mean, let's just think about it. I mean, Jesus said to stand up. So maybe there's things in your life you need to stand up to. You need to stand up for. Maybe you just need to, like, stand up to get, like, some blood flow. Like, seriously. Like, exercise. Like, stop eating Taco Bell, Dakota. Like, work out. Like, and you do. I'm not calling you out. I'm just messing. So, Jesus said to pick up your stuff. Well, he said pick up your bed, but I mean, pick up your stuff. Like, okay, what did God place in your life? What calling? What influence did God give you? What gift did God give you? He didn't give it to you to just sit there. Like, you were here because of that. So, like, that's kind of like mocking God for you not to use the things he gave you. So, like, I don't know, Ava, if you do sports, if you want to be a teacher, God gave you the gift to be a teacher. You need to use that. Charlie, you play guitar. You need to keep using that gift. Rebecca, you need to keep singing. Abby, you need to keep working in children's church and keep helping the kids. Rachel, keep being a cool sister. Like, <laughs> you'll have to pick up your stuff. Like, don't drop what God gave you. It's super valuable things. And Jesus said to walk. Now, please don't walk around the room. But Jesus said to walk. He said to walk in obedience. He said to walk in your calling. He said to walk in your influence. He said to walk in peace and joy. I was depressed a couple weeks ago, and I woke up one day, and I texted Jacob. I said, why am I depressed? My situation, yeah. But, like, Jesus said, you have made me glad. Like, there's this verse in Psalms that say, you have made me glad. So, like, why Jesus... Like, why am I depressed if he made me glad? And yes, there's clinical depression and there's things. But, like, I literally woke up and I was like, this is stupid. This is keeping me stuck in bed. Why am I doing this? I need to get up. There's third graders in a couple weeks who don't know Jesus who need me. There's y'all who need me. So maybe fear in comparison has kept me crippled when God has given me the authority and the permission to get up and walk. 
So we're going to sit down. Everyone sit down. We're going to do it one more time. I want you all to remember. This is my third grade practice. Stand up. Pick up your stuff. Tell Mom Dakota to do it. And walk. We got to walk. Come on. We're going to do it one more time just for Dakota. Sit down. Everyone sit down. <laughs> Stand up. Pick up your stuff. And walk. Oh, y'all look great job. I wish I brought stickers. Okay. On a serious note, sometimes you have to praise God for what he will explain later. You have to speak the name of Jesus over your life and over your situation. I asked Rachel to play Speak the Name of Jesus like an hour before service. So, <laughs> But... But sometimes all you can do is speak the name of Jesus in your life, in your situation. And here's something that is kind of tough. Is that God doesn't always give you closure. And I know y'all know what that word means. So sometimes you praise God for what he'll explain later, but the explanation doesn't come to heaven. And that sucks. But um, I've asked God why so many times. It's like that little kid, that little, it's like Judah, who's like three. And why, why, why? And that must, um, God must think I sound just like Judah. Like, I'm just like, why, God? Why? Why does this happen? Why did that happen? And why never cut me anything but frustrated and not at peace? But there is a greater miracle that Jesus wants to do in your life, greater than your earthly situation. We're going to turn the page. I'm going to read verses 9 through 13 for context, but I'm not going to go into detail on why these people were mad at what they were mad at. And if you're wondering about it, you can come talk to me after. But verse 9 reads, instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, You can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, The man who healed me told me, Pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that? They demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. Actually, I have something to say about this. This was just now. The man... He told these people, they're like, why are you doing this? And he said, pick up, the man told me to pick up my mat and walk. There's going to be people in your life who are like, you're supposed to be depressed. Why are you not, why are you so happy? Like your parents are going to the divorce. Why are you happy? Like they're going to tell you how you should feel. But you can tell them, um, Jesus said, I can get up and move. I don't have to stay here. So verse 14 reads, Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went, told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. Now, I'm putting a little footnote here. I want to explain that Jesus wasn't saying this man was sick because of his sin. Now, another footnote. There are times and places where habitual sin can cause you to be an illness. I'll give you an example that I know you all understand. For example, you are constantly sleeping around people. You get an STD. That's a result of your habitual sin. But God does not punish you with illness because of your sin. 
Does that make sense? Cool. But Jesus wasn't talking about that to this man. He was saying that there's a greater miracle that this man needs. This man's paralysis was serious, and it was affecting his life in a very real and painful way. But this man's eternity is immensely more important than his physical condition. Jesus cares more about your eternity than he will his gear comfort. And again, you're like, okay, well, does Jesus care about me? Yes. Jesus sits with you. He weeps with you. He'll bring joy into your life. But he will always care more about your sins being forgiven than your comfort on this earth. He knows that our time here is short, but our eternity is forever. There is a miracle that Jesus will always work the moment that you ask him. Some of you might need that miracle tonight. And I'll ask Rachel to come play the piano like she does. Um, and I want everyone to, like, close your eyes. And, like, you know, we had fun, but, like, this is a serious moment. Jesus wants to work a miracle in your life that will matter for all of eternity. And some of you are so focused on your physical healing or your physical situation that you can't even see how important it is that eternity is. I know we're young and it doesn't seem like it matters right now, but it does. I'm not trying to be that cliche person that like you don't know when you're going to die, but like you really don't. And if you don't know, if you don't know if you've received this miracle before, I want you guys to seriously like talk to Jesus about it. And I'm not going to lead y'all in a prayer because I know that y'all are capable of talking to Jesus. And like we were talked about earlier, how we can just sit and like talk to Jesus. We can tell him we're mad. We can tell him we're upset. We can vent to Jesus. We can tell him that, you know, it's hard to serve him when he's not doing these other things in my life. But I want you guys to look in your heart and if you haven't received that miracle before, all you have to do is ask. It doesn't cost anything. There's no catch. All you do is ask. Just say, Jesus, you know, I've been doing these things that I know I shouldn't be doing. I've been sinning. And I don't want to keep doing those things. I really, you know, I really want to spend eternity with you. Because that's forever. And ask him. And he will always, he will always do it right now, right here. He died so that you could spend forever with him, so that he could do this miracle. He couldn't do it till he died. That's how intense. So I'm just going to give you all a second to just pray.
He wants to give you the freedom to walk even amidst your painful situation. He doesn't want you to live depressed. Like, just think about that. Like, He doesn't want you to live depressed. He doesn't want you to live in fear. He doesn't want you to live in bondage. He doesn't want you to be in an abusive situation. God says move. And if you're feeling stuck tonight, no matter what, Jesus gives you permission to move. He might not change it, but he gave you permission to move. To move into joy. To move into peace. To move into freedom. And I know it's, you know, I'm going to ask you to do something. And I know it's kind of scary because, you know, comparison. But just like we did earlier, we were sad at Jesus' feet. If there's something that you are stuck in and you just can't get out and you don't even know how to do it by yourself. You know, there's two people in this room who were like that to me, who were my big sisters when I was stuck, literally prayed me through it. If you feel stuck, Jesus says, move. If you are stuck, I challenge you to come sit on the floor in the front of the altar. If you're feeling stuck. And I'm going to ask Miss April and Miss Cassie and, and James and Jacob and big brothers and big sisters to come and sit with you. And I'm going to pray for you guys. Lord Jesus, thank you that you care. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that, Lord, your heart is hurting when our heart is hurting. That you see us when no one else sees us. Our parents might not even see us, God, but you see us, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you see us, Father, that you reach us, Lord, that you seek us out. He didn't have to go to that pool, but he went. Jesus sought him out, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you're helping us to move, Father. That when you speak the word, Father, that you give us permission, Lord Jesus, that we can move, that we can get up, Father, that we don't have to stay in our hopelessness, Lord Jesus, that we don't have to stay on the floor in our back and crying, Lord Jesus, that we don't have to stay afraid and in fear, Lord Jesus. We can get up and move, Father. We aren't stuck, Father. People may have put boundaries on us and they may have put confines on us Lord Jesus and the enemy may try to tie us down with lies Father but Lord Jesus we don't have to stay stuck thank you Jesus that we can move Lord that you give us the permission to move Jesus you give us the permission to be happy Father in a situation that's less than happy Lord Jesus thank you Father for this and that everything you say is sealed tonight in the name of Jesus I pray Lord God that everyone here would remember something Jesus that they would know the authority they have Lord Jesus to move in someone's life, Father, to be an influence, Lord, to pick up their stuff, Father, and to walk in the callings and the giftings that you have given them, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for this time and for this moment, Father. We do not take you for granted, Lord Jesus. Thank you for sitting with us and for filling us, Lord Jesus. And Father, I speak peace and I speak the name of Jesus over every single person in this room, Father. And I speak joy, Father, and I speak peace, Lord Jesus. And I speak healing, Lord God, and I speak clarity, Father. And I pray that tonight, as you're laying in their beds by themselves, 
themselves, Lord Jesus, that they would feel your presence like we have felt it today, Lord Jesus, that they don't have to go to church to feel your presence, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I seal this, Lord, in your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.